You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, For this episode, we are joined by Dr. David Enns at Mercy One South Sioux City Family Medicine. How are you doing today, Dr. Enns? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on and talking with us. So today we're going to kind of talk about um, men's health specifically and some common health mistakes that men should know about. Um, June is National Men's Health Month. So this month we are talking all for the fellas. So just kind of jumping right in to men's health. One of the things that um, is talked a lot about when we're talking about men's health is just the lack of men going and seeing a prime, a primary care provider. Um, mo- it, I believe from the CDC, the stats are women are 33% more likely to visit a doctor than men and women are a hundred percent better at maintaining screening and preventive care. We're going to just kind of talk about primary care, but can you kind of talk about why having a primary care provider is just important in general for people? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's super important to have, you know, your home base, uh, family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrician, uh, office, uh, not only for the preventative stuff that you mentioned, but, you know, also if you're ill, they can be able to maybe get you in in a day or two. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you're a new patient, they may say, well, we need to get the, the records and we can see you in three re- weeks. Um, so it's just good to have that home base for both preventative and acute illnesses. Right. And our urgent care and our emergency departments are great, but there's something to be said about seeing a, the same doctor consistently over and over and over again. Yeah, sure. When I go into a room, you know, I'm not, for the most part, not looking back and back and back in a patient's chart because I've seen them several times and I know them and I know their kids and I know their grandkids, you know, and all the kind of superfluous stuff, but all the stuff that makes up, um, you know, the whole well-being of a patient. So one of the um, reasons noted um, that men don't want to go to a doctor or don't want to go in to, for their health is that they just don't feel like their symptoms are bad enough. They don't want to come in until the symptoms are so bad that it's interrupting their day-to-day life. Can you kind of talk about, about, you know, why waiting till that breaking point isn't very helpful when it comes to your health? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if it's a testosterone thing or maybe just kind of a chromosome thing, but we do, you know, we do tend to see that as, as guys. And I don't want to, there are a lot of obviously male patients who are right on top of their health, but uh, yeah, we do, we do see um, women more for preventative care, you know, generally than men, but uh, it is good to keep up on your preventative visits because, you know, there's some illnesses, some diseases that if you come in too late or when you have symptoms, it's, it's too late at that point. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, specifically we would, uh, we mentioned is colon cancer screening at the age. Now we've actually recommended at the age of 45, it used to be 50. So with a colonoscopy or a cologuard, which is an at-home test, um, early colon cancers with a colon, uh, colonoscopy can be removed by the GI doctors, and that's it. And they say, well, we had an early stage cancer. We removed it. See me in three years. 
Whereas if you let that grow to the point where you get symptoms such as bleeding, um, you know, when you go to the bathroom, well, maybe it's already spread in stage three and stage four. And now you're looking at a big surgery, uh, you know, chemotherapy and, you know, even worse. And for other conditions, um, like say, I don't know, diabetes or anything that can relate to your heart. When you push that kind of stuff off, that can also have kind of a negative effect, you know? Right. Yeah. And not, and, and we get fooled too, you know, even being in the medical profession, not all diseases or conditions present kind of classically, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a massive heart attack could present as, you know, indigestion in some people. Or, um, you know, they might get kind of what they would consider, you know, acid reflux, where instead that's a, that's a heart problem. Um, kind of tied into it, and but I am kind of going to move um, from the topic, but um, erectile dysfunction is a common health problem that affects men. Um, and I know that ED um, can kind of be a precursor for other health concerns as well like having like a heart condition, can you just kind of talk about what erectile dysfunction is and, you know, just how it can be a precursor? Yeah. Yeah. You know, several different causes of erectile dysfunction. The main one would be, you know, lack of blood flow. As we get older, uh, men don't have the uh, uh, blood flow to the vital parts, uh, you know, kind of leading to erectile dysfunction. You you mentioned on a precursor to heart problems that the kind of important thing to consider is you know the arteries that go to the penis are the same size as the arteries that wrap around the heart so if you've got plaque um in you know your penile arteries causing erectile dysfunction there's probably a pretty good chance you're having plaque around those heart arteries and i guess kind of tacked on to that i feel to and to kind of go with the other they don't want to some men don't want to go in it's not bad enough you know, so they kind of just like suffer in silence. What do you, what, what do you say to that? Like how, if somebody says that to you, what, what would you, re- how would you respond? Well, you know, we're a, we're in the modern day of med- medicine. So pretty much any condition that exists or that we have a name to, there's a treatment for, um, and you know, there's, you know, several medicines out for erectile dysfunction. Um, but you know, the, if the thing to remember is, you know, you touched on the heart issue is things such as, you know, high triglycerides, you know, bad cholesterol can um, lead to erectile um, issues. Diabetes is the classic one. Um, wow. you know, especially if I see a younger person in and they're um, having erectile issues. Uh, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, you know, this, you know, this, gentleman's 30 years old, he's having these issues. This shouldn't be purely erectile dysfunction. What else is going on here? You know, is it a diabetes issue? Is his blood pressure through the roof? Is, you know, is he a gym rat and he's taking a bunch of supplements that is affecting, you know, affecting different aspects of his body. So, um, yeah, a lot of times that, you know, erectile dysfunction is, one condition that does hit home with men, you know, a lot of times that'll be just purely what uh, I'll see a patient for visit wise, but it opens up um, a door of, Hey, we need to look into these things further. And then a lot of times we, you know, uncover some um, issues. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, diabetes being a common one that's related to it, kind of just jumping right in talking about men's health and diabetes, you know, diabetes is rampant across the whole country for both men and women. So how does it present differently in men? Does it affect, um, how does it affect the body in men? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, yeah, we, you know, being a primary care clinic, I would venture almost, you know, at least a third and sometimes even half of uh, my day is uh, seeing patients uh, with diabetes. It's, it's a very prevalent problem. Um, it can present in a kind of myriad of ways. Uh, the classic would be somebody, patient would come in and say, you know, I've been very thirsty lately. A uh, gentleman may come in and say, you know, I've been going to the bathroom six times at night, and normally I can get through the day. Um, unexplained weight loss um, a lot of times is kind of a harbinger of the condition as your body in an effort to try to lower the blood sugars will will pee out uh, sugar. And because you're peeing out so much sugar, you're losing weight. So when I have somebody come in and they that may be their only sign and say, you know, doc, I'm just losing weight like crazy, but I'm not doing anything. Then that's one of the things we want to check into. Right. Absolutely. Because rapid weight loss like that does not necessarily mean you're being healthy, right? I mean, it can be a lot of other things, you know, uh, you know, cancer or, or, you know, a thyroid condition, but, uh, you know, diabetes is definitely one of the things uh, we look at. Right. Absolutely. So I'm going to kind of switch gears, um, Anya, and I kind of want to talk about alcohol. So when I was doing some research, I, there, this was coming up a lot. So, um, one of the statistics that really sticks out to me, um, from the CDC is men are almost two times more likely to binge drink than women and binge drinking being having five, five or more drinks on an occasion. Um, I, what are the health effects of alcohol and binge drinking on the body? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the short-term acute effects are your, you know, any of the problems that can arise from being inebriated after binge drinking, you know, terrible decisions, um, you know, the rate of falls goes up, um, orthopedic trauma, um, but long-term effects, if, you know, it's done on a regular basis, it can we classically think, you know, okay, the liver is what's affected with alcohol, but um, people can get heart disease uh, with long-term alcohol use. They can actually get a form of congestive heart failure. Um, sometimes that's reversible with ceasing of alcohol, sometimes not. It can affect the pancreas. Um, it can cause inflammation of the pancreas called pancreatitis, uh, which can be very debilitating and very chronic. And even after uh, stopping alcohol use. Uh, we'll see later on, depending on how much uh, liquor was in, or beer was imbibed in with binge drinking and other drinking disorders, we can see a form of dementia um, later on in life where it kind of looks just like Alzheimer's dementia. Um, but it, the alcohol has, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of pickled the brain over the years. And then when you get to a certain age, you just can't handle that anymore. And you get this dementia picture. I also found it very interesting in the same study that I was reading that I got that fact from. They actually called out the Midwest that people in the Midwest are more likely to binge drink than other places in the U.S. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen those articles and, you know, 
when we go back to college, like in men's health, you know, you look at the top 10 party schools or the top, you know, alcohol consuming schools. And it seems like there's always an Iowa or Nebraska college there somewhere. And, you know, some people will say, well, it's because there's, you know, lack of nothing to do, you know, on a weekend and then, you know, minus 10 and what else, you know, we're going to do, but that's kind of a poor excuse, but it's, it's, it's pretty, I mean, it's prevalent everywhere, but it's, you know, like, you had alluded to it's we, we see it a ton here yeah we do we just we see it a lot and how does mental health or how does alcohol play into mental health because that's another huge factor in men's health yeah so you know short-term solution type thing um but long-term problem if uh, uh, it can lead to depression it can worsen existing depression you know a lot of times people use it as kind of a band-aid to get feeling better for a while but it uh, that's that's really all it is and then uh, uh, it could worsen, definitely worsen depression. Right. Yeah. Um, I know that when talking about depression and suicide, um, men's health is obviously a huge factor in that because of the statistics surrounding men and depression and suicide. So what are some common things that you see that men face when around mental health that you talk with? Yeah. You know, a lot of times, uh, when a guy will come in, he won't say he's depressed um, you know, per se, it may be, you know, other issues or sometimes it'll, you know, they'll kind of take the role of, okay, you're the doc, you kind of find it, you know, on me. Um, sometimes it, you know, depression in men and women can be subtle enough as just people don't feel right. And they're maybe waking up early in the morning and not getting back to sleep. That might be, you know, if you've got to go to work at seven, but you're waking up every morning at three 30, can't get back to sleep. That can kind of be a subtle sign that depression, anxiety is uh, playing a role. Yeah. Yeah. What else, what other kind of signs do you, do you usually see or that are common? Um, if somebody doesn't come out and say specifically, Oh doc, I've been depressed. Let's, let's work this up. Let's do something about it. Well, you might see something of the nature where um, they don't want to be in public as much. Um, you know, that might have to do with a little bit of anxiety, but we, we think the depression and anxiety is pretty closely linked. Uh, a lot of times uh, my male patients will say, gosh, I, you know, I used to love doing whatever fishing on the weekend with my buddies. And I would just rather be at home kind of, you know, putzing around. So all la- starting to back off of the activities that you found um, enjoyable in the past a lot of times is, is the first sign. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I'm going to jump again, a little change of topic. I was wondering if we could talk about skin cancer. Um, one, June, if for us here in Iowa, is a great summer month. And when it's not raining for two weeks straight, we get beautiful, warm sunshine. Um, so I was just kind of wondering, like some of the stuff I was reading, skin cancer can affect men more than women, but it's just like incredibly prevalent to begin with, uh, one of the most common types of cancer and for everyone. So I was just kind of wondering if we could talk about it. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I think from our end, we're seeing a little more prevalent here. Um, you know, the ozone layer is just, you know, every day it's not getting any stronger. Um, and, uh, I think the awareness of, uh, sunscreen is better now than it was 10 years ago, better now than it was 20 and definitely 30 years ago. But, you know, with, you know, whether you're 
outside doing summer activities or, you know, being outside for four hours watching kids, ba- you know, your kids play baseball. There's um, people are tending to get a fair amount of sun exposure, which is, you know, obviously a big risk factor for skin cancer. Right. Um, and I mean, just here in Iowa, we have, we have two seasons, right? We have winter and we have construction season. So all those construction workers and our farmers are outside all day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important, you know, especially, uh, you know, if you're a farmer and the hair is getting thin on top and even if it's not, it's, it's good to have a hat on, uh, the big, uh, spots are that we look for on exam are the things that protrude from face, nose, ears, uh, those very common spots for uh, cancers to develop. Uh, somebody's a truck driver, you know, a lot of times they'll stick that left arm outside their window. And uh, uh, statistically, there's more skin cancers on left arms, you know, than right arms just because of that. Um, wow. So yeah, it's just that. Uh, it's important, you know, to do a monthly skin check um, on yourself, especially during the the summer months, and make sure uh, you know moles that have been present aren't changing in size, and then you don't have any new ones that arise. Yeah, absolutely. Now there are always people in this world who are like, "I don't need sunscreen. I don't want sunscreen. I burn once, and then it turns into a tan, and it's fine." Mm-hmm. Yeah, having a tan has no protective <laughs> value. I mean, if you have very fair skin, um, you know, the common, you know, fair skin and uh, red hair, y- you are at a higher risk um, for skin cancer. But no, the uh, the old adage of I turn into a crab, you know, red crab the first time out and then I get a nice crisp on me and I'm good. Um, basically, all that does is if you do have a skin cancer, it hides it because your skin's nice and dark. Wow. Yeah. So again, preventative care, preventive care, very important. (laughs) Um, So you talked about skin checks. Uh, Is that something somebody can come in to their family doctor for? Um, It is. And we can do a preliminary one. If uh, there is a known skin cancer, it's uh, best to have a, you know, dermatologist um, Mm -hmm. do total body skin checks, you know, for example, um, if you've been diagnosed with melanoma, your dermatologist is going to do uh, total body skin checks, you know, every three to six months um, on you just because of the uh, how dangerous and uh, you know, deadly that condition can be. Yeah, and it and it can be, especially if it goes untreated and unnoticed. Yeah. Awesome. Was there anything else that we didn't talk about in relations to men's health that you think is important for us to plug? I think uh, you hit some good, solid points, at least as a starter. Maybe we could have a follow-up and discuss some other things. But no, this is, this is a great, great little snippet into men's health. Okay, well, um, thank you, Dr. Enns, for joining with us today. I really appreciate getting to talk to you and getting to talk about men's health. Yeah, anytime. Uh, thanks for the questions. Send us your feedback at mercyone.org backslash podcast. Your Best Life podcast can be found anywhere that podcasts are streamed.